Hi, welcome to Chicana Code Switchers. Your co-hosts are Ariana and Patricia. We are both Chicanas in our master's program. We are also scholar practitioners in student affairs. This podcast is intended to provide insights into higher education with a focus on social justice and pláticas of student experiences. With that being said, let's start the show. Welcome back, everyone, to our second episode called Las Femtures. It is exciting to be here with you all again. My name is Ariana, and my co-host is Patricia. Tell us, um, Patricia, how how are you doing today? What are you grateful for, excited about? So, hi, everyone. Um, thank you for joining us on our second episode. Um, right now... Uh, I am grateful for for this week is just like the amount of support that people have been sharing um, this podcast and like just giving us like a lot of um, positive feedback and uh, really excited that so many other people are excited about this project that we um, chose to um, do. Uh, And also I'm really excited for the month of March. It's definitely my favorite. It's also both Adiana and I's birthday month. So um definitely excited for this Pisces season. So Ariana, tell us about your, what you're grateful for and what you're excited about. Yeah. So I'm, I'm grateful for what you mentioned, the podcast primarily because it is our um, exciting project that we are sharing with the world. So getting people's feedback is, has been really uh, rewarding. Um. And also because it's our birthday month as well, um, and and just just for what's to come, we're really I'm really excited that um, for how far we'll reach people with this podcast and our message, and continue to get feedback and continue improving. So, so um, we're excited to have um, our two fem tours, um, both. Um, Dr. Mariana G. Martinez and Dr. Patricia Kimmerhall. Yes, so two beautiful people we are blessed to have in our lives that have and continue to influence our lives positively, our mentoras, um, like you mentioned, Dr. Mariana G. Martinez and, Patrice, and Dr. Patricia Kimmerhall, who is also known as Profa. Um, so Profa and, and Mariana, if you could please introduce yourselves, starting with you, Profa. Uh, if you could let us tell us something that you're grateful for and excited about currently. Um, well, uh, thank you so much for inviting me to join you today. Um, this is one of the I'm grateful and excited about is being able to participate in this project. Um, and also just grateful anytime I get to talk to you two beautiful people um, and Mariana as well. So that's awesome. Um, and to tell you a little bit about myself, um, I'm a professor of Chicanx and Latinx studies at Sonoma State University, but um, my journey actually began uh, at UC Berkeley. That's where I did my BA, my undergraduate degree in social sciences. I then went on to pursue a PhD in American studies with a concentration on media studies and Latinx studies at the University of Michigan. And I am one of those lucky people that got a tenure track job in California her first year on the job market. Um, I think I used up all my good luck for life then because (laughs) my experience in the academy since then has 
been quite challenging, um, mm-hmm. but I am, I, I will, I don't think I'll ever quit even if I win the lottery because um, I get so much joy and just fulfillment um, from being a femtor. So I am just really grateful to be able to join you today and talk about that. Thank you so much for, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and we'll dive deeper into, a little bit deeper into uh, some of the things that you shared and some of your experiences. But um, next, we would like to introduce Dr. Mariana G. Martinez. If you could as well share something that you're grateful for and excited about currently. Um, and then a little bit about your, tri- like your educational trajectory. That would be amazing. Um, hello. And um, well, first of all, just like profile, I'm really thankful and grateful to be able to do this with you all today um, and to be invited um, because it's pretty exciting, um, especially after listening to the last podcast. I feel like the bar is set very high, um, <laughs> but I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm actually really grateful that I started the uh, Women's uh, History Month by taking my kid to work yesterday. Um, no child care. But um, he got to sport his, you know, college uh, sweater and just hang out. And all of my uh, peer mentors, predominantly male, got to hang out with my kid and play with him, including Loteria. Um, So I'm pretty excited about that because it's not something that I get to uh, be able to do often. So that was exciting. Um, So currently, I am actually the director for the College Assistant Migrant Program, which is a a federally federally funded program through the Department of Education and the Department of Agriculture. So I work with uh, uh, first-year students who have a migrant or seasonal background, and our goal is to make sure that they complete their first year of college, which is 24 units, um, and we provide different support from academic, uh, cultural, and financial support. So at Mendocino College, sorry, it's a community college, um, but I was formerly at Sonoma State um, as a research coordinator for the McNair Scholars Program, as well as a lecturer for the Chicanx and Latinx uh, uh, department, and then also was uh, wanting to get the um, Centro Latinx off the ground uh, within the department and help uh, co-found the uh, Undocu Resource Center at Sonoma State. So been very busy. Um, and actually my trajectory starts at Sonoma State. I have my bachelor's okay. in Chicano and Latino studies um, in Spanish from Sonoma State. I have a master's in curriculum and instruction. And then I have a doctorate. Um, oh, my master's is from the University of the Pacific. And then my um, doctorate is in education policy organizational and leadership from the university of uh, of illinois at urbana champaign long names mm-hmm. um so uh, and i've been in higher ed for almost 20 years in different aspects of it um so it's kind of exciting to do the work that i do um but yeah my primary bread and butter has not been teaching it's actually been uh with programs for first generation students Wonderful. That's amazing, um, Mariana. Thank you so much for sharing. And yeah, I, uh, <laughs> um, I think now we'll trans- transition into the conversation about how we both got connected to you amazing women. Um, so first of all, for me, it was uh, working at Sonoma State. Um, my first summer there, I went to a meeting around uh, undocumented students um, 
we were all connecting to like all the stakeholders. That's what I remember. Um, and I, then you showed up, Mariana, and I had already been, um, someone had already given me your name and number as someone I needed to contact and, and, and work with because you had done a lot of work at Sonoma State as you were finishing your PhD and had uh, understood the culture and understood uh, different, the different roles on campus. So they told me like you were a key person that I needed to connect with. Um, and then through you, uh, you introduced me to Profa um, at some point in one of our meetings. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting Profa and, and then from there, you know, the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Patricia, would you like to share how you met Pope? Yeah, I met first um, Profa because I had an English assignment. And I mentioned this a little bit in the first episode. Um, I met Profa when I was a first-time freshman, my first semester of my first year. And it was through an English assignment that I had to talk about, like, the writing component. Like, I had all this, like, questions to ask as being first-gen um, student, I had no idea, like, this is something that you should be asking the department before you go in. Or once you're in the first year, definitely understand, like, what, how much writing, what the citations or the um, style would be, um, the amount of writing that we'll be doing and what kind of writing and what kind of readings we, we would be using. Um, so that's, I asked Profa um, that. And it was amazing because... That was the first time when I went into the office that it was like super, um, such a warm welcome. And when I saw the the floor, I was like, oh, my gosh, there's so much color. I mean, even the people, you know, like you're just like, whoa, it's a completely different experience from going into the office of the business administration office. And so when I met with her, that's how I I, show, I told her about an interest of actually declaring because I came in as undeclared. And um, since then. I've had some classes, work with Profa, and um, she became my research mentor. When I, my second year, I had a, the, a Chicanx, Latinx professor actually told, tell me, because I was working under him, and was like, hey, have you thought about graduate school? And I was too embarrassed to say, like, I didn't know, or I, I felt like it was something that you should know. Um, especially the way that he asked it. Um, and so I was just like, uh, and so he, I didn't answer. And he was like, okay, you know, you should definitely meet um, doctor or back then she was not a doctor yet. So it was Mariana Martinez. She's in McNair, just have a conversation with her. And so I looked her up, found her, found her trajectory. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, why haven't I met her before? And she was like the first Latina that I met um, working in, uh, Sonoma State doing things that I wanted to do and when I met with her first and I mentioned to her before in a card like when I went into her office like I knew that things would look up because my experience at Sonoma was not the best um, in my first year so that's why I met Mariana and then when I got into McNair she became my research advisor. That's amazing um, thank you so much for sharing and then um, it just gives people context as to how we got connected and, and why we thought of you two as, uh, as the right people to bring on for our next episode to talk about femtorship um, and talk about what impact um, that has had not only on our lives as mentees or femtees, 
but uh, you as femters. And so, Mariana, my next question goes to you. Um, if you could talk about uh, feminist epi epistemology and what femtronship means and looks like for you, and then, Profa, you can chime in as well. Okay. Um, so, um, it, you know, I use this sort of framework in my dissertation, but it really is... Um, you know, theoretically and within the context of, you know, academia, um, like Chicana feminist epistemology or CFE um, is sort of a lens that exposes experiences that are probably not visible in a traditional patriarchal position or a liberal feminist standpoint, um, because um, within C CFE, we are not concerned with knowledge um, because CFE is concerned with knowledge about Chicanas, such as who generates and understands um, their experiences and how this knowledge is legitimized uh, or not. Um, it is critical, it's a critical lens. So uh, within this frame, the mentee and femter must collectively and actively embark on a path of decolonization. So we really, you know, it draws from a lot of, I mean, theoretically, it just draws from a lot of um, theories or lenses that are not necessarily um, always acknowledged as valuable. So we draw on our like our own indigenismo. We draw on our what you know being in between, like the borderlands, and what does that look like, the physical and non-physical. Um, so it explores and just sort of challenges this notions that like as Chicanas or Latinas or Mexicanas, we're not you know we're not necessarily like, you know, like we're not all Catholic. We don't all go to church on Sunday. So yeah, we can go to brunch and explore that. Um, so, so it takes on a whole different meaning um, to, to like live within this world. But within that, like femtonship really is trying to reclaim how do we uh, best, for me at least, how do I best assist other young Latinas um, you know, Latinas, Chicanas, to survive, and particularly the academy, which is continues to be not a place for uh, women of color or people of color, but in particular, like Latinas, like educated Latinas. It's not a space that is welcoming or understanding of various situations. Um, and so for me, it's sort of um, I think one time that I presented my, like I did a practice run on my dissertation with other, I, I think Patricia, you were there, but there was this other one, uh, this other student, Yolanda, who, you know, she's a mother, she's an older student, came back, but she, you know, she put a lot of things into perspective, things that I already kind of knew. She's like, you did your dissertation on Mexicanas, right, going through the K-12 system and into the doctorate. And they're still persistent, even though it's been pretty shitty. Like, it is horrible experiences. And they're like, why do we want to continue to do this? And for me, you know, and she could see, like, the pain that I was in as well because I was going through it. But it was sort of like, you still have to go through it because it doesn't compare to other situations our own, you know, families and so on have gone through to be able to survive um, and to thrive. Um, but in that moment I kind of realized you know what like part of being a femtor is you have to be brutally honest but then also equip them mm -hmm. with the tools um, that will work to help them survive this space um, 
not necessarily, you know, all, all of you are very different in how it will happen. Um, you know, but I think uh, that was really important that I was honest um, and that there's that mutual respect because even though you're my students or have been my students, like today, Griselda's my colleague, right? And all I want to see her is be able to succeed and thrive and accomplish her ultimate goal because it will eventually also uh, help her family. Um, I've had mentors, mentors who've been amazing. And it always, uh, I laugh because some of y'all kind of get shocked that I buy you lunch or whatever, dinner or coffee mugs or whatever. And I'm like, but that's what you do because that's, it isn't like, oh, I'm spending all this money. It's not about that. It's tener uh, convivir, even if it's from far, right? Or convivir over a meal, uh, wine or whatever, because it's about that too. There's a humanistic aspect to being a femtor, in my opinion. And my femtors, which also include Profa, because I've known her since she came to Sonoma State. I was in her job talk, uh, and I was really glad that they hired her. Because uh, I was a senior. I never been a, 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 her student in this case, but she's been my mentor in going through um, getting support academically through the system. Um, and so I know what it can look like. And to be honest, I also know it from my own home because my mother has disrupted a lot of these things. My mother is known as Doña, but that woman has opened the door, has opened her wallet, has opened her refrigerator for people. Um, because even though we don't have everything, we have enough to give and to help them survive, right? And again, that's in a whole different um, realm, but that's what it means to me because I've seen other women be honest. I think it's the part that this is gonna be a shitty situation. These are your options and you choose if you want to. And when you do, this is how we're gonna back you up at least, right? That's what I see it as. <laughs> well, um, I want to echo Mariana's. I, I think I see my femtorship in, in ways that are very similar to hers, especially the entire holistic, humanistic aspect that I think to me, femtorship is significant and different from, you know, traditional notions of especially academic or professional mentorship in that femtorship takes into account the reality that you cannot separate the mind and the body. And I think in the academy, there's a tendency to do that. So I have seen my femtorship uh, evolve over time. I was very lucky that as an undergraduate, I, I had some really awesome uh, female professors in women and gender studies who introduced me to the notion of feminist epistemology, um, of you know the understanding that asking questions based on some objective truth is just a way of silencing uh, various standpoints and viewpoints. And so I began um, my, my evolution uh, as a scholar by really embracing standpoint theory, uh, which Chicana uh, feminist epistemology is part of, and you know, uh, trying to write and understand um, how people's positionality affects their sense of self, but also how they know the world and interact with the world. And so that really informed my own research um, as I moved in through the undergraduate and graduate. I really didn't have the opportunity to start working with students until I came to Sonoma State University. Um, after, a first, after the first year or so, I became really aware that 
as an institution, the academy is set up to really only deal with the cerebral aspect of the person, that it's all about your mind and intellectual development. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the failure uh, to acknowledge the, you know, the lived reality that students are in. And so as a femtor, I want to acknowledge that and um, acknowledge that you cannot separate what someone is going through outside of school with how they are doing in school yeah. and try to connect both of them. So um, part of my femtorship is not just, you know, the traditional guidance and suggested readings and um, all that stuff but um the emotional labor that you need to put in if you are really going to support students and you know at sonoma state i work almost exclusively with first generation latinx students um, you can't support those students survival in an institution that was designed to uphold white supremacy without also taking into account the emotional journey and challenges that they're going through and so for me uh, what femtorship looks like is, is a holistic supporting of the student while they're at the university and, you know, beyond. Um, and, you know, that can include anything from, you know, listening to their breakup stories to uh, helping them make the grocery bill at the end of the month, uh, whatever you need to do to support the person, not just the mind, but the person that is in front of you so they can complete their journey through the institution. Oh my gosh, you said it so eloquently, Brofa. Um, and I really appreciate the the points that you both made, Mariana and Brofa, um, because some of the things that stood out to me was about surviving the academy, that all of the things that you, the support that you provide is about uh, supporting the person going through it. And as people, you know, as women of color, especially being the first ones in our family to go to college, there's a lot of things that we don't know as, we're, as we are maneuvering and having these experiences and uh, hearing different messages. So it's always nice to have that one person to go to, to like verify what we're, what we're hearing or what direction we're going before we take, you know, before we take that jump or before we do take on that opportunity or take on that, um, that step. And I think it's pivotal for many of us to have those people in our lives to check in to have that ability to check in with someone. And I know I can, I can definitely say that about both of you. And, and just the, the convivencia and the humanistic aspect that you both touched on, touching on the emotional journey about um, that someone is going through and that that can then affect their performance in the academy. So like, I really just appreciated both of your perspectives and approaches into how you yourselves uh, provide that femtorship to um, the people, the, the people in the students that you've had the opportunity to do that for. Um, Patricia, do you, do you have anything else to add? Yeah, I have a couple of like, uh, what's really stood out for me is how each one of us and so um, Mariana mentioned uh, Griselda. Griselda, by the way, is one of our friends. And <laughs> when we got together first, I want to bring up the Chingana, uh, Chingona reunion that we had. And so we first started um, this just to give a little background. Uh, the Chingana reunion at first um, started with Mariana. 
she she put together these like group of people. So from McNair and Chicanx Latinx studies major department, um, both of us, you both had as um, mentees the students uh, coming in together. So Mariana, could you give a little recap of our first uh, Chingona reunion? So I will try. There's more the most exciting things um <laughs> so you know as a parent sometimes it's nice to get away just kidding <laughs> uh, no but uh you know pre uh pre leaving Sonoma State uh actually pre going to graduate school um as a professional I started uh, you know I like women I like being in the in the um like around women I think they can bring positive energy sometimes drama but I love it too but um, I started like doing we, we before that I would do um, mujeres um, like chingonas breakfast, and so we just gather in different places, right? And as time goes by, people you know have kids, they marry, whatever. But at Sonoma State, with um, all of you, I wanted to sort of replicate that, and I know that there's nothing more special than food, um, regardless of uh, your diets or not. Food is amazing, and one of the things. Um, that I wanted to do was that have breakfast, blah, blah, but we didn't want to make it um, sort of be um, like open to the public sort of thing. Like we didn't want to share it in that space, or at least I didn't. And so what we did was we actually uh, went to um, Yolanda's house, who's also a um, Chicano Studies alumni from Sonoma State. Um, and she was the adult adulting. She had her own house. She's the one that has uh, grown kids. Um, and we went to her house and she shared her food, like she made food and she opened like her home. Um, no regalitos were supposed to be given, but we all brought regalitos because it's always around the holidays. Um, and so, um, but it was just, you know, there, it was very small. It was you, Patricia, Profa, Griselda, Sadie. Uh, who's also another uh, alumni of Chicano Studies, Yolanda and myself. So it was very small, very intimate. And again, like I said, it was at Yolanda's house. And it was just time to hang out, you know, have a little drink here and there. And I want to say that um, Sadie ha had already gone to... It was, uh, she was coming back. Yeah, she was yeah it was back. her first year, come, first holiday. So that made it even more special because Sadie technically for me was my first student to see off as McNair. Uh, but I have a lot of very similar um, things with Sadie. So I have, I know that like she's my boo. She, I have a very unique relationship with her. Um, and so, uh, you know, it was really special because of that. It was her birthday, but it was just, we just came together to just not be in an academic setting, not be in a public quote unquote setting and just hang out, enjoy food. Um, Yolanda set up some regalitos, which were candies. I mean, it was just a beautiful thing. And we basically wanted to continue that. And we have continued that. And then sometimes, you know, we've had two, two separate holiday settings. Uh, others, like this last one was um, in your neighborhood in Napa. Uh, oh, no, it's Yolanda's neighborhood again. It's, it's mine uh, too. <laughs> Napa, Calistoga. But, uh, you know, like, so it, it just changes. We've gone to Profa's house. I don't have my own house, so it makes it a little hard. But um, we've been able to share both, like, our most intimate space, I think, as well as share our loudness um, in public spaces where we're not supposed to be at, which I think is actually really fabulous, <laughs> uh, especially in Napa, right? 
because you're talking about a place where like brown people do not conduct themselves that way or shouldn't um and it's all women so you know it just started just like that as as, as intimate but it's just it's a celebration too of us um it's a celebration of um other um artists because now we do the what yolanda claimed as the brown buffalo gift exchange um so there's to me it's magic it's really when you talk about brown black girl magic this is brown girl magic that's what we're trying to assume right but to celebrate celebrate the accomplishments celebrate the heartbreak celebrate you know just sometimes moving on um but it's for me it's 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 something that i really look forward to because it has that sort of intimacy um to it of like you're not a student you're not you're just grown women that are you know wanting to and willing to share um who you are outside of this role of your job per se so i know that was a long answer to your question <laughs> but to be honest i know a lot of people are jealous of that intimate space because we're trying to maintain it because it is part of that livelihood of our um of our uh, of ourselves outside of academia right so um uh, for me that's that's always what it's been even before and even now it's just it's it's just grown and 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 it's just trying to push us to to thrive right because we are very excited to see each other um and reconnect in one way or another yeah and i think for me in particular the first time i went to a uh, the first chingona reunion i was like coming in into mcnair that's as my first year so it was really excited because profa had a, she was the only one with a phd um and mentoring all of us um mariana was working on finishing her dissertation and becoming a doctora and so and then sadie was the first one that i met um that had already gone through her first semester of her masters um yolanda and griselda were both applying to graduate school that year so i was just kind of watching and seeing like okay what's next or what what's going to happen to me and so it was a beautiful moment to just each one of us check in on each other um and vent and share what that experience has been especially since i came in as my first year i like learned a lot from all of you and like because we were all in different stages in the 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 path to graduate school and we um continue to every single reunion bring in other people and seeing what works and what doesn't in each one and how you're mentioning like just getting to see your, uh, and celebrate our whole selves was just really amazing because we're not just students you know we're, you're not just a professor or you know just this one thing we're like all things and so whenever um now Ariana and I coming into our first year and Ariana finishing her graduate school um master's program has been really key and pivotal because now that we're in these programs we just miss that space although how violent and really suffocating Sonoma State was for us because it is how we're mentioning before, predominantly, historically white serving piece of shit. And so when we come together in this and we're like, oh my gosh, I can take a breath. I don't have to code switch. You know, I don't have to be anything other than just myself and show that vulnerability where we feel safe and we um, understand when we have like family things coming up. Like we've been through big highs and really low lows 
and throughout this whole time. And so it's been years now knowing each other and seeing the growth and where we're at now, most of our friends going into the profession and, you know, finishing off. And so it's been really exciting and it just like re-energizes me into seeing like, okay, it is possible, you know, like what I'm going through is for something, you know, and we're going to do it all together because of this network. And so it's been really interesting because of your, like, you both have been our mentors for us and seeing how, like, we take a little bit about each one of you and each other. Like, um, I, when I first saw Profa present in their first, the very first classes that I had with her, and she was the first professor that was cussing and like was saying like, fuck that bullshit. It was like so brutally honest. I was like, that's so liberating. Like I can actually just say what I feel, you know, <laughs> without having to filter myself or be worried that, you know, I'm going to be in trouble, you know, if I really say my thing. Although I would advise that you wait until you have full tenure. Like, yeah. wait till yeah. you have tenure, okay? Yeah. <laughs> but within our spaces, we could do that. You know, like, <laughs> I, I had a space in Sonoma where I didn't have to, you know, worry about all these things. And, um, of course, you wait until you get tenure, especially if you're in the profession. But um, it was nice to just have the spaces. It's, like, pretty amazing and I, I appreciated Mariana's brutally honest sometimes the delivery was harsh but I think it's even harsher <laughs> is that you know it, it's harsher to know if you're not go if you're going in like completely you know blindsided and uh, you come in and you're like curveball like what I didn't expect that but with having these conversations and honesty of like not just the the going into through whole graduate school or even undergrad but like what is to come after you know the fight isn't over because you just finished the degree it never mm -hmm. will be and how profa was mentioning like any anything we decide to do we're not safe there's no like place where or like oh you know it's one's better than the other i think what's been important is to choose the passion and really understand the intention of where why we're doing this and the whole cheese saves lives thing is like both works in and out of academia because there's a lot of predators in and outside of academia like we have predators in our families and our communities in some of these events that we go to um, in academia in general and so um you know, for us to be able to warn each other of not only what we might experience in graduate school, but outside of that, too, has been really um, amazing. And so, um, and you all giving us, like, um, some challenge and support. I think for me, coming in, like, straight from meeting Profa from way at the beginning of my undergrad has been amazing because Profa has been seeing my growth and seeing what I've done. And also, like, challenge me, because if it wasn't because you both are like, hey, you need to be in this committee, you need to be doing this um, summer research program, you need to be doing this project, you need to add this into your plate, like, I would not feel like I would have been able to do that on my own. Um, and especially because a lot of professors aren't going to single-handedly pick us as someone that they consider um, worthy of all these spaces, right? And so just the fact that I was, able to, I was able to run for student government, which I would have never done on my own, um, was amazing because this really prepared me for what's to come. 
So um, moving on, if does anyone have anything that they wanted to? I wanted to add with with Ariana. I think it's interesting because neither profile or I were ever her student, like her professors, or you know. So I think even for that, it was a because I taught her. Even though she's at Harvard, she better get her <laughs> research on. Do not rely on your on Harvard name, um, because she's part of a club too that's like wild tongues, right? Like I'm Saldua. No tenemos pelos en la lengua. So the Harvard name is cool and all, but you gotta do research to validate and stand on your own two feet um, within and outside of academia, right? Because I'm not a professor, but, and you know, community colleges sometimes are not considered academia because you're not a professor, but even in that, I'm like, we have to stand our own. And I think it's important because I know that my, the way that I femmed Ariana was very different. Um, and that was important because she w went from a professional into graduate school, right? And so I was like, it was a very different way of thinking about um, not necessarily, oh, I should not say this, but it was like, how do I say it? Um, and also like just reminding her, right, which I know she knows very well, but it's just like, you have to do this um, because you need to ground yourself and because she didn't get as much experience as an undergrad to do that like I didn't as an undergrad so it was very important for me to be very um, vocal about that with her and then with others who who went to graduate school and needed to take a break you know you know that you take a step back and you know like that's okay because academia is harsh and there's times where you just need to just say you know what I can't like not right now um, it's about my survival and we are about your survival whatever that might look like so um, I think that's also important to add that it's you're all very individual on how we at least how I see it how we mentor or guide you in through this process. Rofa? I wanted to add to that um, the notion that yes it's I think for me and and what I what, what I'm getting from from what I'm from from what you just said Mariana is that the notion that femtorship isn't like there isn't one size fits all obviously because the goal of femtorship is to recognize the individual that's standing in front of you and supporting them however they need to be supported. Mm -hmm. um, having said that, I think one of the things that all femtors provide is. Um, a counter space, a space uh, where the reality of being a minoritized person in academia is acknowledged, where you know that you're not going to get gaslighted, you know that you're going to be believed, and perhaps, you know, part of the femtorship is having strategies, you know, ways to get around the problem, but a lot of the time it's just being heard and being seen and having your own experience acknowledged because you know the academy won't it's not it's not made for bodies like us um, and part of our job as as femtors is to slowly start tearing it down and constructing spaces that are within the academy that are that do acknowledge the experience of uh, women of color of latina of latinas of chicanas um, so I, I i'm wholeheartedly in agreement with you mariana there's no one size fits all femtorship. 
Um, and, you know, it's funny because I kind of fell into being a femtor. I, you know, I, I had like the worst imposter syndrome. I mean, I still do. Um, <laughs> I think it's getting better, but I had the worst imposter syndrome ever. And so I never thought of myself as like, you know, a role model or someone to look up to. It's like, I just hope I don't fuck up and, you know, eventually <laughs> get tenure. Um, but I, there was a need, like I, I femtor, femtoring chose me. I didn't choose femtoring. Just like students would show up at my door and I, said, I realized that the reason they were coming was not because I'm so awesome, but because I was the only person to believe them. Um, I was the only person who would take the time to listen to them and, you know, try my best to, to support them. And, and um, I also want to say about the femtorships, like, you know, what inspired me was an unmet need. I mean, I, I couldn't, I couldn't not do it once I realized, you know, how much pain um, and how much trauma um, students were going through. Um, but I also want to say, like, this is the part where it turns into a Hollywood movie. Like, you know, I, I get so much from femtoring you. Like, I didn't femtor Mariana and Patricia and Ariana. They femtored me. Um, <laughs> but it really is true because, um, you know, in the same way that I am able to acknowledge and see, recognize and support students um, at Sonoma State, um, the group of women, the, the Mujeres Chingonas, um, support me. They also create a space where I can tell them about my institutional trauma. I can tell them about my department chingaderas. And I know that not only are they going to listen to me and believe me, but they're going to have my back. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to like be down um, to help me in any way that, that they can. And so I think, you know, like femtorship is a two way street. And it's funny, like Mariana named herself named me as one of her femtors, but I always think of Mariana as my femtor because <laughs> I don't think I would have gotten the job at Sonoma State if it hadn't been for her. There was a, there was- I no, was not that special. <laughs> there, no, there was a chosen preferred candidate who was supposed to get the offer because his daddy knew um, a faculty member at Sonoma State and um, he didn't. Um, and part of it was because of the student feedback. Mariana was there and she's like, absolutely not. We need this woman here. So it's so funny because it's like, I owe you my career. Um, <laughs> so um, I guess I've spent the last 15 years trying to, to pay it forward and pay it back. Um, but yeah, I, I just, it's my favorite part of the job is, is being able to, to support and work with students. Um, and, and yeah, like tear off the veil that when you go into the academy, you're like you know the the system is designed to make you feel that if if you don't fit in it's your fault and you need to change and i am all in for you know changing the academy because frankly it's ossified it's ineffective it's discriminatory it's sexist name all the all the bad isms and you've got it um, okay rent over <laughs> I agree. So what has inspired you to be a femtor? Or did femtorship also choose you? Me? Um, I think I have a lot of folks who, especially women who've opened doors and opportunities, including going to college. My, my EOP advisor, who's now a retired uh, president from a community college, um, she basically lied to my parents that I had to go to college and I had to live there. And I think you know, having someone like that. She was also a single parent um, at that time, and I grew up with a single parent. So um, those things kind of opened my eyes. Um, my my 
my supervisor slash we're friends um, in graduate school too at UOP, African-American woman, opened the doors, Elizabeth at Sonoma State, Dr. Martinez. She, uh, she gave me my first shot at teaching right after graduate, like undergrad, right? I took, I did an intercession. So all of these women have opened doors um, to opportunities to shit, just to know like it's possible, like this is an option. Um, and I think I've taken that to heart. And like I said before, I, I love to see women thrive. I love to see um, women be successful and lift each other up. And, and I think it has to do, you know, with my own family. It has to do with just my mom's a single parent. Most of my tias have been single parents. My abuela was a single parent. You know, so, like, I know that success is possible. I know that freedom is possible, right, from the idea of what Latina-ness means. Um, and I had to, too, pay it forward. I don't, I've never been able to get where I'm at by myself. Um, I've just been lucky that the majority of the people who've, open this opportunity having women so I think it's it, in a way that has been sort of it chose me too it wasn't like oh I oh yeah I'm gonna be this uh, it was knowing early on that you always have to give uh, back but it and not in this mold like it is in this certain way you can go about it this different ways um, and you know that opened the opportunity and you all listen so that kind of helped <laughs> You know, it, it helps to have somebody who, who's okay with listening to both honest, brutal truth and, um, and sort of, you know, listen to like, oh, shit, I can take that risk and it'll be okay. Right? Because if you fall, we're going to pick you up. That's not going to be a, like, that's not the thing. It's more of like, okay, if you fall, then like, what's plan Z? What's plan, you know, double Z? Um, and how do we get there? So I think that's, for me, that's what it was too. It was just, I just got lucky to have women in my life um, or self-identified women, right? Who said, I'm going to open this door because I should. It's something that we should always be doing. Um, but yeah, I think it just fell there. And I just said, hell yeah, I'm going to jump on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, that was, that was really well articulated. And I think some of the things that you shared, I mean, touched on the thing that we're not, um, our, our individual cases are different. We're at different stages in our lives. So the femtonship has to be modified according to the person and their needs. Um, and like you mentioned, like neither of us, like neither of you were my, like, educate, like professors, but I, I think in the workplace, I definitely, saw you as people as like the mentorship it was established there as in the workplace and and you definitely helped me you know learn a lot um in that in that position and helped me then now return to academia and now be here at harvard so i couldn't have done that by myself and it was with a lot of guidance and support from both of you so thank you for helping me um and so so the next, um, the next question, uh, we talked about some of the challenges, uh, some of like, how did you become a femter um, and what inspired you? But now we would like to know what are some of your favorite memories or success stories of being a femter that you could share with us? Um, well, um, I think, you know, there's, there's the, I think when, when you're, when you're femtoring, 
in the academy, there's the expectation that you're going to go with the traditional landmarks. Like, oh, I remember the first student I mentored who got into an MA program, or I remember sending my first student off to graduate school. And that's wonderful. And it's great, provided that's what the student wants. And, you know, you're not like pushing them in a direction they don't want to go in. Uh, but to me, the, the thing that, that is always transformative, and it's happened with a number of students, is um, watching students sort of own their space. Like, there's that moment, and I think this is what I try to do. Like, I don't curse in class just for a fact. I mean, I do too for a fact. But um, I, want, I want students to feel comfortable that, that they have a place to be however they want to be in the academy. And if people have a problem with that, that's, that's their problem. Um, it's not the student's problem. And so watching students own their space in the academy and be unapologetically themselves and not take shit from anyone. Because the minute you start, like, I think part of the power uh, of being in institution, in hierarchical institutions is that as long as you don't push back, then they, they don't expect that from you. And you can take back your power by calling it out, by naming what's wrong. And so watching students to, to greater and uh, lesser degrees become, start to feel comfortable enough in their own skin and with their own experience and knowledge to, um, you know, like navigate the spaces that I occupy with them, which are primarily within the university uh, with a basically like, you know, um, zero fucks given attitude. This is really what I try to instill. Um, in, in, in the students I work with, um, it's always just uh, a very moving moment for me. And, and I consider that my success. Like, I don't care what your GPA is when you graduate. Um, I, 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 if you have gotten to the point where you understand that you are not crazy and you are not the problem, uh, it's, you know, the system is the problem. Then, then we're good, and 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 that's that's always like my favorite moment. Like I don't want to name any specific students because like yeah. I don't I don't want any hurt fifis. So <laughs> I can go with that. Yeah, no, that's fine. Thank you so much, and Ariana. All my favorite students. Uh, just kidding. I won't do that either. But I think that's exactly um, it. I mean, reaching that point of um, no fucks given, really knowing you know um, that it ain't you. This is systematic, uh, but also for me, it's been femtonship is not just, you know, with women using femtonship as a model to also mentor young men, because I've seen that with some young men and the way that they've transformed and looked at their um, parejas or whatever, right, or relationship with women uh, very differently has been really um, eye opening. And since I have a son, that's also really important for me to try to instill that, but also um success stories also having those mentees call me out because it's like oh well you have to here, and I'm like damn that whole catholic girl is still there right or like that particular role that I have to play is still there um and I think that's important because they as just as you grow they have to grow and we're equals right so what that means is that you're gonna call me on my shit <laughs> and then I'm gonna have to take it and be like okay how do I fix this Uh, so I think in success, that's part of it. Like you have to be able to be open to that. And it has happened. And, you know, um, I'm okay with that most of the time. Um, <laughs> that and also just, you know, being able to be vulnerable with uh, those that you are um, mentoring or, you know, being uh, sort of wanting their success. Because one of the things like 
with the challenges of being a femtor, for me specifically in the last year, I had to leave a very toxic space. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to leave the students. Mm. Right? Yeah. So that's also important to know because it was about my survival. But how do you do that mm. when you want all of these kids to survive? Right? No offense to calling you kids. Mm-hmm. But it's how do you do that? Um, and having them know that maybe I was just too big for that space. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, I know it wasn't me. I know it was, but I was literally dying. So I'm like, I have to get out of this space. But I don't want you to sort of know that I'm leaving you because I'm not, right? And so even today, I still work with students. And that's my goal because, you know, and that's what makes me feel like a successful mentor because I'm, it doesn't matter. Um, and being, again, that brutal honesty of having to leave because of that, because it was eating me and it was killing me. And at the end of the day, I'm still a mother to a little boy um, in a system that I know it's fucked up, but I'm going to thrive because I also have you, right? But I'm being honest that I'm not abandoning these students um or these folks um because with some of what i would call success stories are kids who've been in bad situations and today like i have young men who are very successful with their partners with their life and i'm like and that's so beautiful because they were also honest right um with with what they have to leave behind or whatever so i think that's also important to note that your success is is being able to communicate to those that you care about that you have to do certain things, mm-hmm. right? Because otherwise you're not going to be useful to them. Um, but also you're not going to be believed in the fact that you can make it out of this system or that you can survive in this system and bring others along to disrupt the system, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Mariano. Um, as a fellow survivor of the toxic toxic space that you managed to escape, um, I, I I think that 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 what you do is so powerful. I mean, um, there are days when I'm just like I'm just gonna quit and go work as a greeter at Walmart um, because I can't take this shit anymore. Uh, and then I think the students, the students. But I think I think you're very right. There's something really powerful in um, letting your students know that. You may be their femtor, but you're not superhuman. Um, that reaching, you know, like the exalted full professor, full tenured professor position is not going to protect them anymore. Um, that, that, I mean, other than job security, but it's not going to protect them from the microaggressions, the bullshit um, that they're going to have to face on the daily. And that everybody has a limit. Um, and I think it's important as femtors and, and I think mentees need, should and I, I think often recognize that we have limits that you know you can ask for so much but um, there's self-care that needs to be happening the emotional labor of, of femtoring um, minoritized students is is real and it has an impact on your personal life it will affect your relationship with your children with your partner whether or not you have a social life outside the Chingona reunion, <laughs> and exhausted and drained when you come home and all you want to do is go to sleep. Um, and I think it's important that we as femtors um, make sure that our students are aware of the limits um, that we have um, so that they're able to recruit numerous femtors, right? Um, 
because a lot of it comes like, oh, the students need me. And it's like, well, we need to get out of that mindset. We need to teach the students to find like three or four sources of support uh, mm-hmm. within the academy so that we can give ourselves a break, like psychologically and, and you know, literally just take a little break every day when we're not, when we don't have to be the ones who believe and support where somebody else can step in. So I, I want to thank you for sharing that because it's, it, it, it is important for everybody, um, including femtors who mm-hmm. you often get this like, I'm God, I can fix it. Um, and, you know, that shit's going to catch up with you eventually, mm-hmm. <laughs> that it's very important uh, for everybody to to acknowledge um, the limits of what is possible and also to share your own challenges so that they know that, um, you know, they're not ashamed that of how they're feeling um, silenced and marginalized and whatever else, because this shit's, you know, you feel that way, too. So, like, it's like, please recognize this is happening to all of us. Um, so, yeah. And how you're mentioning, um, I think this is like as a FMT, it's like seeing that not everyone will, I mean, depending on what institution you're at, it's like you finding that support in and outside of academia, like finding that femtor outside. Because Mariana, you mentioned a lot of like how your femtor started first in your family. And I think that's also like, how do you not only support yourself but then also support others in this whole thing and like how do you share the burden um because sometimes you know i've had times where it's like you vent but then you also like reciprocate it and have the other person vent where it's like it's not one sided way where it's just only top down but it's mm-hmm. also like a, a an opportunity for everyone to just be like you know what just today is just not going to be the day this is hap- <laughs> this is just like I just can't. And so for us at first, it's just like, what? Like, but you've always been in there, you know, it's like, and then it's also like taking the mindset of like students. It's just like, no, like I definitely care for you. I support you, but not today. You know, like, you need a break because every single time you're at your job, it's like putting out fires consistently and everything feels urgent. Everything feels like life threatening. And it's just like being able to see that because when I was in a bigger roles that uh, that's what I felt like I was like I can't with you with these students you know I'm, I'm sorry I want to be there but you also have to put your well-being well because if I'm not okay then how are, am I going to be able to show up in life in general so um is there any um experiences that you learned from uh from mentoring other people It, it could be anything, um, any, any, I, we kind of touched on it a little bit already. Um, some of the things that you said were, um, that you learned as much from, from us as you were femtering us. So, I mean, it could be like, anything, like moving forward that you'd like, like to add. Yeah. Like moving forward, like what do you see your femturnship shape? Because we all are growing and evolving and learning from all these lessons. So what would you recommend future femtors and femtees um, to do? I'm going to repeat myself and also maybe echo Mariana a little bit in that, um, you know, you femtor um, students, femtor friends, you femtor colleagues, but you also need to femtor yourself. And so that compassion and care and holding space for the trauma of the day, that's something you need to do for yourself as well. 
I'm saying this. I don't do any of this shit, by the way. But um, but but goals. I'm I'm working toward it. I'm I'm gonna give more attention to that, um, because I think if you don't do that, you're gonna burn out. Um, and all the joy that exists in building relationships um, through femtoring um, will get sucked out of you, and you're just you know you're not gonna you're gonna you're not gonna be in it for the long run. And and what what are the spaces we occupy? need more than anything else is that sort of compassion and that includes compassion not just for the people you mentor but for yourself i agree <laughs> uh with profa but i also um i think i also have to add that not everybody wants to be a femty and i think that's also important that you don't waste a lot of your energy in that um you know as a uh, femter, I've had to sort of, you know, part ways with people and it's, it's okay. And it's a different type, right. Um, of relationship that we have, but I think it's important, um, to also know that that's, um, that it's okay. It's like relationships, right? Not everybody's, you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea and that's fine. Um, but that it's okay to do that. And just even with your own, what you do, um, the style that you do it, it's your own. Um, don't try to mimic somebody else's uh, because again, it's just the way that you do what you do and, um, you just gotta be true to yourself and hope for a lot of transformation on your end, on the other people's end. So, um, you have to be really, um, I think, um, careful with that. Um, and as a femtor, I think I, I just look forward to, you know, um, making sure that I just stay true to who I am and the energy that I have to be able to um, support other students, uh, both female and male, right? Um, but I think that's also important for us to know as femtors that uh, femtorship, that's what it looks like, then that's what's going to continue to be and it evolves. Um, but that, yeah, you have to be okay with the fact that not everybody is going to be part of that. And I think it also comes down to the tough love, right? If that's not someone's style, it's okay to try or retrograde to other people that are a better match. And I think you touched on a good point that not everyone um, can be or wants to be a mentee or wants to be mentored and or femtored, and that's fine. Um, and it's always good to keep your options open and to uh, continue, you know, um, finding other people and. And like we said, one person can't do it all. So it's always good to have different people in our lives to, to help us or support us in the different areas that we are seeking that support in. Cool. Um, so what, um, so we all have talked about uh, a lot of powerful um, messages, uh, examples, and um, stories that we recall about this type of relationship. Um, and as you're thinking about your next steps, um, at, for example, for me, uh, something that I like to share is that I also, just as I've been mentored by you two, I also like to have mentees and apprentices mostly in and given that um, there's different spaces within the academy that we enter, 
for example, here at Harvard, I have a mentee who is um, at the college and she's a sophomore uh, from Pennsylvania who's undocumented and would like to study medicine. And so for me, it's always like finding a way to give back just as much as I've received. I also like to, you know, through mentorship, mentorship, give back to the next generation and, and pay it forward, right? Um, and connect them to resources or, or other people that might have more information. So for example, she wants to be a doctor and I connected her to uh, different resources that I know that can provide her with that support because that's not my background, but I do connect to, I did connect her to my roommate who is um, a student at UCLA studying medicine. So like, just like we've shared that we both um, have been mentees. I also like to highlight that that does um, replicate and that does um, touch other lives. So your you're touching my life and that I am then touching someone else's life. Patricia? Um, of course. And so I think even in general, um, I don't really consider myself so much of a femtor yet just because I haven't had, I don't know, like now in this stage, I haven't had the, the time to do that. But I think Profa would disagree. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna step in and disagree um so maybe you don't know this but Patricia was a peer mentor for uh who worked with me with the mm -hmm. sophomore year experience she's also been she was a a mentor a peer mentor with the first first year experience at Sonoma State uh, both of the, them were Chicano Latino studies classes and I have witnessed her mentoring any number of students um uh, I'm thinking of two in particular who I don't think would have stayed in college if it hadn't been for for Patti's intervention. So, you know, maybe right now you don't feel like you're doing a lot of comforting, but I've seen you. Um, I've seen you do it. Um, so, you know, you're, you are paying it forward. Maybe not currently, but you have in the past. I just, for the record. Maybe because I concur. And, and maybe because you get to see the other side, like, because I left, you know, Sonoma State. So I have no idea what's going on or, or the impact. And that's, I think, the the beautiful part about femtoring is that you may not always know how you impacted those individuals and how they're paying it forward and what they're doing because you may not see it. What? Mm -hmm. Is it recording? Um, yeah. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> so um, it, it, that's, the, that's the interesting part, especially if you move on to like a new chapter in your life and um some of those mentees may never leave so and also <laughs> they'll stay with you and also patricia i think uh for me it was really um it doesn't always have to be like an older person mentoring mentoring someone younger it always can be peer-to-peer -peer, so i can definitely attest to the fact that you helped me when i was applying to phd programs um in graduate school in general, just to bounce off ideas and also share resources or best practices because you had, you were a student and were going through this process at the same time as I was. So there were things that I didn't know that you knew because you were in a program like McNair's um, and had done research and had, you know, uh, created questions, et cetera. So there's like that support in itself doesn't have to be like, um, if you may not see it yet or think that you haven't impacted people like know that you have 
Are we all gonna cry? We're all gonna cry. Okay. And that's what's the, the beautiful part about about this episode. It's just the vulnerability, the the challenges. I think something that I appreciated from both from all of you is that we were honest with each other. And I think in that we build the trust and um the tough love or like the care that is needed in these types of relationships. Because not only was I able to be guided by you all, but also learn from your challenges, like you were talking about, uh, Profa, um, the challenges that you face, like, we, at least for me, I think, okay, once I, once I'm, um, once I get my PhD, or once I become a full professor, or once I, you know, have my research done, like, I'll be set, I'll be good, but it's like, we've all got, are in different stages of our lives, and we've, at least for me, it's been, um, it's been a great way to learn that it never ends. The challenges, the, the, um, the successes, the, that, that there's always something to learn. And so you are all still paying the way and, and advocating for us in the different spaces that we were in or have left. And you're holding the fort for those, the next students. And I think um, what unites us all is the passion for the students and for helping, them, you know, helping others and in that, that, labor of love that we have all in some capacity have done it you know uh, together or individually now as we are continuing our paths so thank you all so now we'll transition um as we're closing up our episode um is there anything anything going on exciting upcoming conferences that you'd like to share or events speakers yes but okay well, um, first, I, I, I'm going to say the announcement, but can I just say how much I miss the three of you and how, okay, now I'm going to cry, um, how, how much harder the, the work I'm doing to hold space and support students has become since the three of you left because you were all three of you amazing femtors. Um, so I miss you all, but I hope to see you soon because coming up on March 30th is the third annual North Bay Women of Color Conference. Um, started by Patricia, um, and it's our third year. We have a keynote speaker. We have workshops lined up. Uh, registration is open and free. Maybe when you post this, you can post like a URL to it. Um, and it takes place on the Sonoma State University campus on March 30th. Um, it's an all-day event. And then hang out, get a hotel room, or like crash on someone's floor because the next day is the, the Undocu 5K, oh. which raises money for undocumented students at Sonoma State University. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, you know, if you're if you're in the area, please come on out, Roner Park, California. Awesome! <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that opportunity with us. And I believe Griselda will be speaking for Undocu 5K. You know, documented runner, um, colleague, friend. I'm giving her a whole commercial. <laughs> her <here>. whole CV. <laughs> CV. Um, so I'm excited about that. Uh, on my end, I have, well, I have professional work stuff that I have to um, do. But we have a, um, for people who want to go into the community college or interested in that, we have job openings at my college. But we also, um, we are, well, I'm leading the, um, our AB 705, what uh, um, counselors need to know. So I'm not sure if many of you know, but there's going to be changes in the system uh, for English and math. 
uh, entry levels for those who go into the uh, community college. And so I have I am leading the efforts to communicate this information to all of our high school uh, counselors, right, to better assist, especially first generation students in Mendocino County, Mendocino Lake um, County. And so that's something that I'm working on. And it's going to be on Pi Day, um, which is March 14th for all those math people. Um, so I'm looking forward to that just because it was something that I was like, why aren't we doing this? Like, we're putting all this effort within the college, but we got kids coming in. So we need to do something about that. Um, so if you're a high school counselor and you're listening to this in the area, come through. It's free and we're going to feed you. And then I'm going to a very exciting conference of like chief, um, like, I don't know, professionals, something in the community college is like really high end stuff, which I'm kind of excited because my um, my VP asked me to go. Um, so it's basically to help you basically move up uh, eventually and get the tools to move up to that deanship or vice presidency kind of thing so exciting in my life (laughs) um so uh but yeah the the march 14 though it's really important so if you are in the mendocino lake area and you're listening to this podcast i would um suggest you um sign up um email camp at mendocino.edu and you'll get more information yeah thank you so much for sharing all of your events that are coming up that are pretty exciting if anything we can take away from this episode is just the need for more um empathy in the academy and love and support and having people to remind you who you are yeah yeah most definitely i i i agree with patricia and um, I hope that this episode provides some insight into the love and nurture and growth that can happen, as you can see from all of us in, sh- in sharing our experiences, um, being uh, fempered by these wonderful women that it is, um, it is a labor of love and, and the impact extends beyond what we can conceive, right? What we can perceive as happening. So it's just wonderful to, to be sharing the our experiences with these two wonderful women with you all and hopefully it'll inspire you to to take on this role in within your capacity or at some point in the future um it's always nice to share these um, success stories and challenges as well that it, it's a two-way street like Profa said and um it's definitely worthwhile and thank you all and this concludes our second episode any last um, some goodbyes, Profa, Mariana. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone, for your time. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, and yeah, we'll see you. We'll see you next time. Bye. Mariana. <laughs>